You're listening to audio recorded at Mount Air First Christian Church. For more resources or to contact us, look us up at www.mountairfirstchristianchurch.org. I invite you now to get your Bibles out. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1 for our time in God's Word together. Thank you, Jenny. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21 will be our official text this morning. Uh, as we gather, we seek to glorify God by being and making disciples who know Him truly and who truly know Him. And one of the ways we do that is honoring a passage like in Nehemiah where it says that they read the Word of God to people and then hope to give the sense of it. So that's the big goal this morning is to read the text and then hopefully to just take the obvious point of the text, make sense of it, and apply it to our lives. So this is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21. And if you call on Him as Father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds... Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God stands forever. So we hear the typical question when you're raising kids or just looking out in society and they ask, what is more formative in a person's life? Is it nature or is it nurture, right? And they, you, that's a common way to phrase it. Are we the way that we are because something in our genetics or just, you know, uh, I come from a line of Dolacheks who traditionally have had certain problems with uh, like temper and anger. And so then is it just, so my dad's lightly nodding his head back there, but is it just nature, you know, it's just in our family line or is it nurture? Is it that the child then is raised up in a certain environment and they begin to manifest those things. And you all could go, you have those family traits that pass down, you know, and you think, is that nature as though they were just like, I don't know, just because of, of who they are as the child of these two individuals, it's the way they are? Or is it nurture that because they're in this environment, they become like they are? What gives the most impact in a life? And we can all see and think of parents who have kids that act just like them. We don't know, never really sure which is more influential, but probably it's a strong combination of both. I'm not going to get into the psychology and the whatever, and I'm not a psychologist, so I don't know, go talk to them if you want to. But I think it's pretty clear that both of those things play a role of being involved, mannerisms, dispositions, that there is a sense in which it is just an inherited reality And also, it's a a nurtured reality from the environment that a child is living in and that individuals live in. We are formed at some level by our environment. Well, our passage this morning is discussing a certain inheritance that we have. It's interesting. 
remember earlier in speaking about uh, the joy of Jesus, he talks about we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter is how he begins this joyous, like rejoicing in the inheritance that we have, but it's in contrast to an inheritance that we currently do have. He's speaking here as well as an inheritance that we have. So the big idea this morning uh, is that the redemption of Christ brings real rescue that impacts our lives today. The redemption of Christ, or you could say the, the, um, the reconciliation, the, the ransoming of Christ, the redemption of Christ, brings real rescue that impacts our lives today, that impacts who we are today. Remember where we've been in 1 Peter 1, right? He starts out with this rejoicing over the gospel that what blessed be God who has, uh, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. That you hear that song on the radio, living hope. This is, that's where that phrase comes from. Uh, it, it is not the guy, did, they did not make up that term. It is a biblical idea that, that the Christian is born again by God to a living hope. They have a, a living hope, a living joy. And it's in the midst of whatever comes their way in this life. And that's what Peter is talking about. They rejoice in this inheritance that they have even though, if necessary, they have to be tried by various trials in this life. And that their faith is precious because it will be found to result in praise and glory at the revealing of Jesus Christ. And then there's this therefore in verse 13. Verse 13, there is a therefore that because there is a, there is a current reaction, a current reality that affects the life that affects the life of the follower of Christ when God calls them and opens their eyes to this joy of salvation when God gives them a new heart when God opens their eyes to see the treasure that Jesus is it has an imp- it, there's a therefore to it if you see that therefore this is what happens in the life of a believer and they, he went, goes on, he calls them to a life of holiness, right? As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your contact. They are called to live a life of holiness, a life separated from the world, distinct, different, different from the world, called out called out from the world and separated even from our own worldly desires, right? We talked about that he calls in to be holy as obedient children, not conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We're separated not only from the world, but we're also separated from those worldly passions, those worldly desires that lived inside of us. We're to be separated from them, called out from them. And that leads us into our passage then this morning. Peter is saying that for those who call upon God as Father, right? And if you call on him as Father, 
So if, if you are saying that God is your father, and that it can only uh, be done, John 14, 6, we could say, uh, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father but through me. Jesus teaches us. It's actually, it's, it's become common language because we are, in, we are just uh, dwelling in Christendom to call God father, but actually it was a revolutionary idea that Creatures would call God, not just God, but Father. When Jesus says, when you pray this way, our Father who art in heaven. So it's, it's a very Christian idea that we're going to call God Father. And so if through Jesus Christ, you call on him as Father, you ought to conduct, he's Peter saying that those who call him Father ought to conduct their lives before him in fear, not following the futile ways of their forefathers, that they inherited from their forefathers. I know you guys all love Latin. So there's a Latin phrase that is, that is out there that I really like. I want to share with you. It's used many places. If you read the Table Talk uh, devotional magazine, there's still copies of it on the desk. We get copies for free for you to take, uh, to, to read through. It's a little devotional. But if you read the Table Talk devotional, every day there's a section called Coram Deo. Coram Deo. And the quorum deo simply mean, quorum mean in the presence of or before the face of. Like if you're in my presence, you're before my face. Quorum deo, God. Living before the face of God. And the Christian, what Peter is talking about here, is the Christian is to live quorum deo. Before the face of God. We conduct our lives with fear, knowing that, that we live before uh, the face of God. And so God who calls us and judges impartially, calls us to live, uh, conduct ourselves with fear throughout our time of exile, knowing that we were ransomed from the futile ways of our father, because, of our forefathers. Because the Christian lives before the face of God, we ought to think seriously about what our lives are most centered around. The reason why we ought to think seriously about what our lives are centered around is because Peter tells us there are ways that we have inherited from our forefathers. There are ways that we are naturally inherit, we inherited to be around. There are ways that we exist. There are ways that we conduct ourselves that we have inherited. And Peter says they're futile ways. They're empty ways. There is a way to conduct your life that is natural to you that is futile, that is pointless, that is empty. And so Peter is warning them to take seriously what they center their lives around because if nothing is done, if we just go by our natural state, we inherited from our forefathers futile or empty ways. We have former passions that he writes about that will seek to conform us to themselves. And so we know the world, and not only the passions from within us, but the world has its own desires and passions from around us that will try to force us and conform us to them. And Peter calls them futile ways. There are natural ways, empty ways that we've inherited from our forefathers. And there's a couple of ways to think about this. The first one, you remember... A couple of years ago, if you were here, we did a series through the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is 
it's, it's always dangerous to say like Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books because it's one of the most depressing books of the Bible. It, it ha- there's no like answer really within Ecclesiastes. It just really forces the problem. It just really forces the issue of Solomon is on this, uh, this journey, this, this uh, mission to give his life meaning. And so he's going, to, he's going to get all the possessions. He's going to get all the wives he can get. He's going to get all the knowledge he can get. If I could learn everything, and he, he achieves, he has the means to achieve all these things. He's, he satisfies every desire that he has, and he gets them all. And what's he say? Meaningless, meaningless, empty, futile. Everything is futile. What good is there under the sun? And that the whole point of Ecclesiastes is that man lives his life under the sun. And if, if your life exists under the sun as though there is no God above the sun, then everything is meaningless. And that's what Solomon finds out, that it's empty, futile, uh, meaningless in this life. And so there are these ways that we've inherited from our forefathers, and it is a world without God. It is a world that is centered upon ourselves. The the book of Ecclesiastes discusses the reality that under the sun, in a life without God, all pursuits truly are meaningless. That under the sun phrase is shorthand for life without God. If there's no one above the sun, if there is no creator God who has planned all things and is ordering all things to their appointed end, then there really is no purpose for any of us. It's futile. No matter how much, no matter how much you try to invest meaning into the things of this life, if, the, if we all are truly just stardust, a cosmic accident, and there is no God above the sun who is ordering everything, this really all is meaningless. This really all is pointless if there is no one above the sun. This is the reality. These are the ways we've inherited from our forefathers. So much effort is spent by image bearers to give life meaning. We try so hard to fight against the desperation that life has no meaning But you look around the world and people are still, maybe meaning is in this next event. Maybe meaning is in this next accomplishment. Maybe meaning is in this next life partner. Maybe meaning is in this romantic relationship. Maybe meaning is in this whatever religious pursuit even. Searching, searching, searching for meaning and never really able to find it. It's it's heartbreaking to read. I was last night with just researching a, a current popular artist who I love their music, but their writing, their lyrics, if you actually read them, they, they are on a, a, a dead-end road of, of a pursuit of happiness for themselves, in themselves. And this is the, these are the futile ways that we all inherit, have inherited from our forefathers. We fight so hard against the desperation that life has no meaning, but just aren't quite able to find it. Life without Christ is like that, only far more seriousness. This aimlessness, this grasping for meaning is what is the way that we have inherited. Often the effort is attempted to be remedied by just giving life subjective meaning, right? This is all the rage today. 
It's existentialism, which I know we don't like, that's a kind of a big word, but existentialism, which is the world exists as I give it meaning. Like the, the, the traditional view of the world is that the world exists, God's world, ordered world exists, and I'm in it. But existentialism, the modern, all the rage, we kind of live in this mindset now, is that the world exists as I give it meaning. I give life meaning. It is, it, is, it is when I show up and when I do by my actions, I make meaning in the world. We, we try to say, we submit to the idea that we give life meaning in and of ourselves. This is a futile way because, you're, you're going to take this the wrong way, I know you are, but that's a, I, I got to risk it. You are not a sufficient enough being to hold the meaning of the universe. You're not. I'm not. None of us are. You're, if God blesses you with a hundred years, are a blip on the timeline of history. And if meaning exists in, in us as individuals, if e meaning exists in you as an individual, that is not a big enough meaning to carry the point of the world. None of us is big enough to handle that job. We are not the ones that give life meaning. But Peter says now we've been rescued out of that futile way by the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ has brought us into favorable fellowship with the God who is working all things according to the counsel of his will, as Ephesians 1 says. We said last week, your life matters. What you do matters. If you know God as Father through faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, your life is not your own and that's good news because you are now connected. You've been ransomed, bought from, rescued out of feudal ways. You no longer have to drift through life trying to discover meaning in yourself. You now belong to a God who is the very one who gives everything meaning and purpose and value. So you're no longer searching. You don't, you don't live by this inherited way of trying to find meaning for yourself. But you, as you are entered into the family of God, you're given, you're brought into the meaning that there is. Um, I heard an interesting illustration. We try to fix our problems so much in our world today by giving ourselves mirrors and trying to convince us that what we see here uh, is meaningful or has value. And we, we were really into just, just staring at mirrors and constantly looking inside of ourselves. Navel gazing is another thing, another way. Just constantly looking inside of ourselves and just shrinking inside, inside, inside to try to discover um, worth, worth, value, dignity, meaning, purpose. And so then we often think that the way we help each other is by holding up the mirror better for you or, you know, just making, putting more mirrors around you. But I don't want to give you mirrors. I want, I want you to say to turn from the mirror and to open a window and to look out into the world, to look out from yourself into who God is, what he is doing. Not gazing in at yourself, but gazing upon him, being ransomed from futile ways of introspection and liberated through the blood of Jesus Christ to who God is and what he's doing and being called in to what he is, what his agenda is. The first way of our forefathers uh, that is futile, futility is in the emptiness of our pursuits. But secondly, futile ways of our forefathers um, is often a description of the idolatry of, of 
of our forefathers. We've inherited this desire in all of us for worship. Um, that's part of being Imago Dei, is that God made us to worship him. And so even though after the fall has broken the image, we all still want to worship something. We all still long to glorify and worship something. However, that has been broken. And we've now inherited ways that worship not God, but countless false gods that are not God at all. Modern day idols of success, wealth, our job, our family appearance, um, modern day idols of other people and their opinions. People pleasing is kind of like a common phrase around here. We have a lot of people that I talk to that, that really feel crushed by people pleasing. Other people's opinions are valued so highly that they cannot stand for truth. They can't say no. They can't, they can't be honest, living, fake, living false lies because they have an, an idol, really, truly, that of other people and their opinions are so high that they can't, be honest, they can't speak the truth. That is a futile way inherited from your forefathers. How are we are crushed when other people do not think well of us. How are these futile ways conquered? The emptiness of life, the idolatry and all these different things. How are they conquered? They are conquered by the redeeming blood of Jesus. We are not rescued, bought out of these things by any resources in ourselves. No silver or gold, Peter says, has done this job. Nothing that we purchase or provide does the job. It is the precious blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus rescues us from these futile ways. Well, how? Okay, great, Darren. So we don't want to have these things, we, these futile ways we've inherited. The blood redeems us. How? How does it redeem us? Well, these futile ways that we've inherited, both by nature and by nurture around us, are condemning rebellion. Like they aren't just like, oh, those are too bad you inherited that, that little personality trait. <laughs> oh, it's too bad you kind of do that. It's like, no, those are this damnable rebellion, sin that is deserving of the wrath of God. So when we talk about these inherited ways from our, few, from our forefathers, these are ways that will end in your eternal damnation if you persist in them. Because they are not just light, uh, you know, light offenses. They are rebellion against God. When we live as the, with, a, with a mirror in front of us, when we live as though we are the ones who give life meaning, we are rejecting and dethroning the one who actually does give life meaning. <laughs> we're rejecting the creator. We're saying, I am the one who gives life meaning. And we're rejecting God who actually does give the world meaning. We are saying in a very real way, God, you don't deserve to be on the throne. I should be there. We are rejecting the king. And that comes with Wrath, that comes with punishment. There is rebellion there. When we idolize the things of this world, when we idolize the people of this world and their opinions, we are placing them upon the throne of our hearts, asking them, please value me. Please, please respect me. Please think well of me. And, 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 and taking God off the throne, his opinion is not the one that matters, but these who are out in front of us, they are the ones that matter. It is damnable idolatry. Our sin is blatant and real. And so there's a rift 
between those of us who've inherited feudal ways from our forefathers and a holy and righteous God. But Christ's blood is precious. He is a lamb without spot or blemish. It is this blood that seals our forgiveness. In the words of Paul from Ephesians 1.6, he says, In him, meaning Christ, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The Old Testament imagery is plain, right? We don't have time. I'm not going to tell you to go to Exodus. We're not going to go back through the whole thing. But the Old Testament imagery, you know your Bibles, it's, it's familiar, right? That there's this sacrificial system that the people of God, they would take an animal without spot or blemish, uh, with no physical imperfections. It wasn't a moral, I mean, it was just, it had no moral status before God. It just was, had no physical defects or impurities. And that was a type and shadow of the real Lamb of God, who not... Who was, it wasn't that he was without physical deformity or problem. It's that he honestly was without sin. He was perfect. He was righteous. He was without spot or blemish. He was more than just without physical defect. He was precious or perfect. Without sin, never, never looking at a mirror to find me, which is interesting. I guess I can't know if I can say that's interesting when we talk about Jesus, can I? <laughs> but never looking outside of God for meaning. Never looking outside of God for meaning. Never looking anywhere but to the Father as the one true God worthy of his worship. His blood is precious because his life is perfect. And to spill the blood is to give the life. And this is what Jesus does. He pours out his blood. He lays down his perfect righteous life. Why? For the forgiveness of sin. Absolutely. For our adoption into God's family through union with Christ, yes and amen. For the filling of the Spirit so that the, God's people would be sealed for God and carried through this life, yes. But also, also, according to Peter, to ransom his people out of their futile ways. Yes, forgiveness. Yes, adoption into the family of God. Yes, the promise of eternal hope and to be ransomed out of your futile ways of meaninglessness and idolatry to serve the living and true God. That, the, light, that the, the ransom that Jesus brings has effect for this life, not just for your eternal future, which it does, amen, praise God. Not just for the forgiveness of your sins, which it does, amen, praise God, but for right now to ransom you and rescue you and pull you out of futile ways of meaninglessness and emptinessness, emptiness and idolatry. Christ has redeemed you with his very own precious blood. The follower of Christ, if you call on him as, as father, you do not live according to empty pursuits. You do not live worshiping gods who are no gods at all. You've been ransomed from those ways, liberated to truly live in the full light of who God is and what he has done. Because he has bought you with his precious blood, your life is not your own. This is a truth that liberates you from sin, but also liberates you to a life freed from your futility, freed from meaninglessness, and filled with purpose, not our own, but his. Let's pray. Father, I just, I, I ask for my own heart, for the hearts of all of us gathered here this morning, that the, the work of Christ 
is this glorious good news that saves sinners from their sins, that forgiveness is ours through the blood of Jesus, through the broken body. We are made righteous in your sight. God, what a glorious promise that is. But God, that it also frees us from the tyranny of sin to not live lives controlled by the ways that we've inherited, the ways of futility from our forefathers, from the world around us, but sets us on a course to live a life that is pleasing to you. So Father, I pray that this morning as we come to communion even, you would open our eyes to the futile ways that we still cling to. Father, that you would open our eyes to the emptiness, the, the, the search that we are still on when, when the treasure is before us. Open our eyes, God, to the idolatries that we live with in various areas. The belief that if only this thing were to happen or if only I could get life this way, then I would be pleased, then I would be happy. These idolat then I'd be fulfilled. These idolatries, God, open our eyes to them that we might be quick to repent, to confess them as sin and to be freed from our futile ways through the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have to search for meaning. It's found in you. We don't have to search for joy. It's found in you. We don't have to search for a treasure. It's found in you, the God who made us and the God who has redeemed us through the blood of Christ. God, open our eyes to see it and, and enlighten our hearts to rejoice in Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.